Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. Charlie Rose? John Conyers? Oh, my God. It, the, the, this thing is rolling on and, and, and rolling on and... You know, as I, you know, I keep saying, I think that this is a major, we're looking at a major cultural shift here in the United States. And frankly, I think it's happening all over the world. In fact, I think that this happened in Sweden about two decades ago because Sweden really changed their laws on sexual assault. I mean, really changed their laws to the point that, uh, you know, Julian Assange is, is uh, you know, being charged with rape for having... I believe, now, I may be wrong on the details of this, but I don't think so. I, my, my recollection of the story was that, um, you know, he had had, he had whatever, he, it, whether it was a date or whether he ended up in this woman's apartment or whatever, but they, they were together, they had sex, they went to sleep, and then in the middle of the night she woke up and he was having sex with her again. And without a condom. And the without a condom part was the part that, got him to be prosecuted for rape. And that, I mean, that's a major change in cultural norms, shall we say. And arguably a, a major change for the better, right? This is for the Swedes, but here in the United States, we've got to figure this out. We, and I think, frankly, we are. And I think to a large extent, well, not to a large extent, I think some of this now is the consequence of 40 years of women coming into the workplace and and acquiring positions of power. So there's enough female power now to push back against all the male power that has, you know, dominated our culture and our society for 7,000 years. I mean, keep in mind, women weren't even allowed to vote in this country for the first half of our existence. And actually, the first four-fifths of our existence. So it seems to me that this is number one, a good thing, number two, an awakening, and number three, might it be time for us to look at something like a Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa when they experienced a major cultural shift? And again, from a, a, a situation that was odious and offensive, the, uh, you know, apartheid, the specific exclusion of people of color from, from civil society and from access to the, to the law, which, by the way, is not that different from the situation of women in the United States prior to 1920. You know, requiring men to, to uh, sign for that. Well, hell, I remember in the 1970s, 
women had to, wives had to have their husbands sign for them to get a credit card or a bank loan, or in many cases, even a job. I mean, it's just, a lot has changed for the better. So when South Africa went through this change, they said, okay, we've, we've got all new rules here. And there were people operating under the old rules. And if they come forward and confess their sins, confess their crimes, there will be no punishment other than the, you know, the societal disapprobation that, that you would expect. And, uh, you know, people avail themselves of it. And the argument is that it healed society. Now, it'd be interesting to talk to somebody from South Africa. Do you really feel that this healed society or did this simply facilitate a transition, a governmental transition without violence, which was a fine thing, but I, we're not looking at quite that kind of situation here. But it's reaching the point where, you know, there's this like kind of dark humor uh, over Democratic Underground underpants posted, uh-oh, we have an accusation against Bernie Sanders. And you click on the headline and it's a picture of Bernie and above the top of it, it says, another young woman has come forward accusing Bernie Sanders of trying to get her free college. And then, and then, you know, I look at that and I think, should I even say this on the air? Because, you know, some right winger might clip a little piece of that out, like the headline. Because, you know, as far as anybody knows so far, nobody's accused Bernie of anything other than trying to get free college and health care to people. But, uh, and John Conyers this morning, he, you know, he's, he's, this guy's 88 years old. He's been around for a long, long time. And who saw this coming? I, you know, uh, this uh, $27,000 settlement uh, that was, according to BuzzFeed, that his office paid to uh, a, a woman to, with a confidentiality agreement to, to, to settle the claim. Conyers told the Associated Press this morning he knows nothing of these claims of inappropriate touching and learned of the story from television just hours earlier. He said, I've been looking at these things in amazement. The uh, Keith Boykin, well, the Twitter moments uh, this morning, a report by the Washington Post, eight women have come forward with stories of Charlie Rose's repeated harassment, groping, and other sexual misconduct. Uh, Keith Boykin tweets, uh, Anthony Weiner is in prison. Bill Clinton was impeached. Bill O'Reilly, Roger Ailes, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey and Mark Halperin were fired. Al Franken and Charlie Rose apologized. Glenn Thrush was suspended. Louis C.K. was canceled. When will Donald Trump be held accountable? Which is a really interesting question, right? I mean, Donald Trump in 2000, in 1997, 2000, 2001, and 2006, various women have come forward saying that Donald Trump came back into the dressing rooms when they were naked and changing. And this was Miss USA, Miss Universe, and the Miss Teen USA pageants that, that uh, Trump owned. And in fact, in a 2005 interview in the Howard Stern show, he said that he could, quote, get away with things like that, at least backstage at the pageants, at the adult pageants. This is from the, uh, the Wikipedia page on Donald Trump's sexual misconduct allegations of all places. But Jessica Leeds in the 1980s, Kristen Anderson in the 1990s, Kathy Heller in 1997, Temp uh, Temple Taggart McDowell in 1997, Karina Virginia in 1998, Minnie McGilvery in 2003, Rachel Crooks in 2005, Natasha Stoinoff in 2005, Jessica Drake 2006, Ninny Lackinson in 2006, an unnamed friend in 2010, and Cassandra Searles in 2013. All of these people, with the exception of the unnamed friend, on the record, accusing Donald Trump of sexually inappropriate behavior. Specifically, uh, all of these unwanted physical contact. 
He's been accused of rape by three people, Ivana Trump, Jill Harth, and Summer Zervos, although Ivana has walked back her specific accusation. And then uh, allegations of uh, pageant dressing rooms, the Miss Teen USA contestants, Bridget Sullivan, Tasha Dixon, Samantha Halvey. I mean, these, these women did not come forward because they thought they were going to get a million-dollar book deal. They did not come forward because they thought they were going to be applauded and loved in the media. Uh, they came forward at great risk to themselves because of what Donald Trump was doing. And, you know, on it goes. So what do we do about this? I'm not sure that a, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission is necessarily even a good idea because it implies, you know, basically no punishment. Um, this is not the, the, the rapid, the old way ends and the new way begins today, by law, that South Africa saw this. So, I, so it's a very, very imperfect analogy, and I'm not sure one that even works. But where do we go with this? Additionally, uh, Lindsey Graham came out today, or yesterday, and spoke an uncomfortable truth. Why is it that the Republicans are working so hard to get their tax cuts for billionaires and for big corporations? Well, Lindsey Graham, somebody was said, uh, a reporter asked him specifically what's going to happen if you don't pass the uh, tax bill. This was an NBC News reporter. And this is from a story in The Hill by Rebecca Savrensky. And according to this, uh, this reporter, Lindsey Graham said, the party fractures, most incumbents in 2018 will get a severe primary challenge. A lot of them will probably lose. The base will fracture. The financial contributions will stop. And other than that, it will be fine. The financial contributions will stop? That's why the Republicans are pushing this tax bill? Really? Amazing. A lot going on. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our oh, net neutrality, the horror is continuing. We've got problems with Social Security and disability. Uh, and Donald Trump wants to skew the census. And welcome back. Let's see here. Jeff in San Francisco. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Um, I was thinking that possibly if... Jeff, could you take me off speakerphone? I can hardly hear you. Better, Tom? Sorry yeah. about that. Thank you. Hello? Yeah. Uh, Tom, I was thinking if the federal ta income tax was instituted uh, specifically towards taxpayers to pay the interest to the banks, if the money was supplied... Hello, Tom? Yeah, I'm okay. listening. I'm trying to understand what you I'm just sorry. said. Do you think that the federal income tax is to let the government pay bankers? Uh, or did, I, mis did I misunderstand happened. what you said? Well, if, if the money supply had been created by the government rather than borrowed from banks that created it, the income tax would have been unnecessary. How do you feel about that? I don't think it makes any sense. Well, I'm quoting it directly from Ellen Brown's book, and I was wondering when you're going to have her back in the the show possibly, and I, cause I'd kind of, I would like to ask her a few questions, Yeah. but this was, um, you know, from our book and I just thought it, I, I would have to know the context of, of that claim. Um, it's, 
uh, you know, the, 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 the money is created in our e economic system by bankers loaning money into existence. That, that expands our money supply. Our money supply decreases when loans are paid off and or loans are written down. And that's why the money supply contracted so badly in the 2008 recession or immediately after the 2008 recession. And why it expanded so much prior to that, because there was massive lending. It's why the money supply is so large right now. There's massive lending, very, very low interest rates. That does swing our economy. I mean, the Fed is the principal thing that's responsible for this, for you know, uh, recessions and and uh, and expansions, uh, in my opinion. But how that relates to the income tax, I don't understand. Do you, you, are, are you suggesting, or is Ellen Brown? Actually, Ellen's not here to, to talk about this, so, um, and, and I don't have the thing. Jeff, I'm going to move along because I'm, 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 you know, this is just uh, a discussion in the abstract. Rich in Greenwood, Indiana. Hey, Rich, what's up? Hey, Tom. Thank you. Um, a year ago, uh, Trump wasn't yet, uh, well, excuse me, that's not, that's not true because we've already gone through the, the election, but, you know, he wasn't in the Oval Office yet, and uh, we were... We were aware of his bad acts. Uh, women had come forward. But uh, we've gone through this year of this uh, slow realization of how widespread violence against women is and these bad actors. And it really wasn't until Weinstein's uh, event and that as an epicenter of a quake that uh, we started to uh, get a whole bunch of other people talking about things because of uh, how seismic that was with all the power. Yeah, well, well in addition to that, Rich, I, I think that there's another variable that, that the media is completely overlooking. You had the mm -hmm. Bill O'Reilly accusations, you had the Roger yeah. Ailes accusations, which were extremely high profile, except in right-wing media. They were not discussed yeah. on Fox News, they were not discussed in Breitbart, to the best of my knowledge, they were not discussed on right-wing hate radio other than exactly. as the, these poor victims. Exactly. Whereas when well, Harvey what Weinstein I, what I came to along because he was a liberal... What I wanted to around with is here in Indiana, um, this kind of stuff, bounce against women, uh, was, was actually something protected in a lawsuit. Um, and uh, something that I was hearing recently in 2005 a husband was no longer permitted to say that he could take sex from his wife anytime he wanted. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, rape now extends to marriage, which is a good thing. Rich, thank you for the call. On April 15, 1949, Pacifica Radio KPFA 94.1 FM, Berkeley, California, went on the air for the first time, introducing listener-sponsored community radio to America. Sister Helen Prejean in May of 2000. We are now incarcerating two million human beings. We are building more and more walls. We're throwing more and more people behind the walls. The whole thing of believing that human beings can change, that they can be restored, some people say, well, you know that whole thing of rehabilitation. Well, we tried that and it didn't work. We never tried that. We don't even have habilitation of human beings before they get to prison. Sister Helen Prejean in May of 2000. Did you know that you can get most any of the 50,000 Pacifica broadcasts in our collection? Visit us online at PacificaRadioArchives.org and help support the archives mission to preserve Pacifica's broadcast legacy. Welcome to the Million Color Revolution. Welcome back. 
By the way, I, you know, I, want to, I wanted to apologize to John from Minneapolis yesterday. He called in talking about Jerry Brown. I interrupted him. He said, that's incredibly rude. I cut him off. Uh, he was right. It was incredibly rude. So, John, my apologies. I, I could make excuses. I could talk about how I was feeling like there was, you know, like jet lagged. I hadn't had much sleep last night, night before last. But, you know, there's no excuse for bad behavior. My apologies. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, not too much, Tom. No, I, hey, you are totally right. This is a deep and um, really persistent cultural problem that maybe has come to a head. And I hope you're right that it, we're on the verge of a cultural shift. But I saw it a lot when I was in the military, and it was, like, really astounding. I was like, my gosh, this is so rampant. And um, I retired in 2010. And from what I've read... You know, I keep up with the you know military news, of course. Mm. And from what I've read, it's kind of abated a little bit, but it's still going on. Like, you know, I was just reading about this Fat Leonard scandal with all these uh, Navy admirals and stuff. This, um, you know, it's, it's really uh, very pernicious. But a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, I think, was necessary to keep South Africa together as a yeah. single country. To prevent a civil war. South Africa's always had a problem with, you know, uh, uh, countries peeling off yeah. from it. Well, and, and we did, a, um, we did a, a semi-small version of that ourselves right after the Civil War. I mean, you know, Congress expelled a whole bunch of members of Congress simply because they were Confederate sympathizers. That, you know, and that's really starting at the top, you know. It wasn't quite a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, but there was a purge. Anyhow, back to you, Dave. Yeah. Oh, no, no. And I, I was thinking, I mean, I, I definitely, well, I sort of agree with you and um, on that. And I think it's definitely time for an ERA, though, an Equal Rights Amendment, because what I saw in the military, yes. anyways, is the only way to really stop this sort of thing is to, you've got to de-incentivize it. You've got to take away, um, you know, you, got, you need for people to know, predatory people to know that there will be punishment uh, for, for, you know, um, treating people, you know, um, in an inhumane way or mm. yeah, basically inhumane way. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And, um, because without that, without that, they will continue. Well, the other thing about uh, the other thing about the equal rights amendment is that at law, it gives the government the ability to equal, to level the playing field, to equalize the power relationships. And, I, I think at, at its core, and, and there's an impulse, I think, among men to say, oh, this is just men being horny or this is just testosterone or something like that. And, but, you know, much like the conversation we've had over the last 30 or 40 years about rape, I think this is more about power than it is about sex. Although, clearly, some of these men are essentially deranged. I mean, you know, just in a way that probably goes way beyond power, right? You know, they're, 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 not, they're not using their power in other, you know, it, to, to the best of my knowledge, I haven't seen any complaints that, that Charlie Rose was a tyrant in the office or that he was a, uh, you know, a terrible boss or that he humiliated people or did the kind of behavior that, frankly, Harvey Weinstein engaged in. Um, you know, apparently he was a decent guy and a decent boss, unless you were attractive, young, female, and in his apartment. Um, and, and that's where you know, if we had an equal rights amendment, then the, the laws, a lot of laws would actually shift or change just as a consequence of that. And there is functionally an equal rights amendment in the Uniform Code of Military Justice, isn't there, Dave? 
Yeah, yeah, functionally, um, you know, and like I said, this, all right, this is deeply cultural. Just one example is, like, there's this guy, General Haight. No one's talking about him. General Haight had, he didn't, you know, as far as I know, he didn't um, force himself on any women, but he had a very, um, you know, uh, very elaborate sex life, apparently. <laughs> and it got to the point to where he was, um, you know, he was in peril uh, from the Russians. From not just the Russians, but adversaries could use this to blackmail him. Well, at the mm. end of his his scandal and everything, about the only friend he had left was General McMaster. Oh, that's And um, you know, it, it's really um, it, it's cultural. I think guys do stuff that they wouldn't normally do just to to belong. You know, in a peer group. Yeah. I mean, it's peer pressure. There's a lot of factors that go into it, but I, I ultimately I doubt Harvey Weinstein. More than sex. Yeah, I, you know, from what I've read of the accounts of people, you know, of Harvey Weinstein and and Charlie Rose, this does not look to me like they're responding to peer pressure. These are very private things that they've done. So, uh, but but I get what you're saying. I you know I think that the the you know the guys the the construction site guys who are wolf whistling that might be peer you know some of that might be peer pressure. Um, but all, all excellent points, Dave. Thanks for the call. Stephanie in Alexandria. Hey, Stephanie, what's up? Hi, Tom. Um, hey, I Stephanie, Stephanie, if I, if I can, if, Stephanie, could Hello? I just pause you? Forgive my, forgive yeah. my interrupting you. I just noticed that I only have, uh, 20 seconds before we're going to hit a break and I, I don't want to force you into a 20 second slot here. Oh, so let sure. me put you on hold yeah. and I'll pick you up. I'll pick up your call on the other side of the break. I, um, the, the, uh, there's a number of other things here. Well, actually, we'll get to those as we continue. Speaking of General McMaster, by the way, uh, our last caller mentioned McMaster was uh, the, the last friend of this one particular general. Uh, at a lobbying hotspot with a powerful tech CEO, General McMaster said that Donald Trump has the intelligence of a kindergartner, is an idiot, and a dope. BuzzFeed is publishing this. Donald Trump is not going to be happy with Mr. McMaster. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Calling Donald McFinskin. Anyhow, we'll be right back. Everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink, Super Beets. Only Super Beets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Super Beets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeets.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Super Beats for free, plus indicator strips to see how Super Beats is working for you, and free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889, tomsbeats.com on the interwebs. This is the Tom Hartman Program. 
And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And on the line with us, Arthur, you need to put him back on the line so I can grab him. Uh, there we go. Is the great Greg Palast. And <laughs> Greg, Greg has uh, the investigative journalist, author, filmmaker, the best democracy money can buy, his latest movie. You can see it over on Amazon. GregPalast.com is the website. Uh, Greg, uh, the, the uh, Twitter handle is Greg underscore Palast, just like we're Tom underscore Hartman. Greg, welcome back. Glad to be with you, Tom. So uh, you have been doing some remarkable work on this Keystone Pipeline break that we had uh, a few days ago. Uh, and the, the failure of the pigs. What is a pig? A pig is what bursts the pipeline, or the pig's failure to squeal. Uh, here's the deal. The Keystone Pipeline Company, which is now wants to you know, run across all our aquifers, promised that this type of spill could never happen. And why? If you uh, go to their propaganda film, which, by the way, I'm loading up on my site now, you see the, that they use something called a smart pig. Which a pig is a pipeline inspection gauge. The pig goes through the pipeline and very fancy um, equipment and feelers and lasers and every bit of diagnostic equipment that can catch the slightest crack, the slightest weld failure, the slightest bit of corrosion, the slightest impending problem, drop in pressure, anything. These spills, if the pig is working, should never happen because the pig squeals. The pig says, uh-oh, we're having a problem near uh, Amherst, Dakota, uh, South Dakota, and uh, they, they can respond immediately. That was the company's promise, but then I got some other information. Okay. And uh, from whistleblowers inside the industries. They use these contractors uh, to listen to the pig. That is, um, you know, they have 24-hour uh, staff listening to what the pig is picking up in the pipe, but that's all a matter of software. The, the pig is sending out billions of, of data messages every hour. So you have to have software which simplifies it. You know, literally they paint a red line on the computer if there's a problem and pinpoint it. Uh, so that's why these problems should never happen. Right. But then we got a whistleblower, uh, three whistleblowers actually, who told us why, did we have, why do we have a problem in the Keystone Pipeline? Why did it burst? Why did we have an explosion in San Bruno, California, just after the pig went through? We should have picked that up. Eight people were killed. Why are we having pipeline breaks and cracks and snaps and waterways destroyed when these things, uh, they, we've been promised that these pigs can't miss? The answer is the pigs are honest, but the people who program them, the companies that, that sell this software and the companies that use the software, are less than honest. What they've done is, in a very sophisticated manner, is turn down the squeal. That is, it's desensitized so that it, not every little uh, crack and break and problem is going to be identified by the pig. They're not going to squeal. They're not, well, they squeal, but the interpretation of the data by the computer software says, no problem, everything's okie-dokie. And we've had three people, including uh, we have one uh, in shadow on camera. I did this originally on, for Channel 4 program dispatches. Um, and um, they, this is why you're having this problem. They're, right. they're silencing the pigs. And, and, not, and, and not, yeah. only, not only has this led to pipeline spills, but it's also led to deaths, as you just pointed out. Now, uh, I, you know, uh, corporate That's malfeasance. Yeah, yeah, corporate malfeasance leading to deaths is nothing new. I mean, about 50,000 people a year die in the United States in the workplace. 
um, uh, alone. But uh, that seems like a pretty big deal, number one. And number two, you also have some breaking news on why the Republicans were so hell-bent for leather to approve the Keystone XL pipeline. Yes, and that's a great uh, tag for my film, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. One of the things I was asking is the really simple question, why, Tom, are we bringing oil to Texas? I've heard Texas has a little bit of oil. Why are we endangering the entire uh, aquifer system of mid-America by running a pipe across America's belly 2,000 miles to Texas? And the answer is a four-letter word, K-O-C-H, Coke. The Cokes own the uh, refineries in Corpus Christi, Texas, that cannot use Texas oil. They're basically in the middle of oil fields, but they can't use light Texas oil, Texas intermediate uh, light oil. Uh, they, they, the Coke refineries, believe it or not, require heavy, filthy, cruddy oil filled with sulfur. It's the only way that they can operate and crack. Why? Because they were designed to get oil from Venezuela, and they are captive customers of Venezuela, uh, previously Chavez and now the Maduro government. Uh, the Cokes don't like that because those guys know that the Cokes are captive customers, and they charge them a premium for this cruddy oil that they need. If the Cokes can get the oil, the tar sand gunk, the worst, filthiest oil, down to their refinery, they save $15 a barrel, and that's a billion dollars for each of the bros, the Koch brothers, in their pockets if they get this. That's why um, the, uh, their uh, organization, um, you know, Americans for Prosperity, made approval of the Keystone XL pipeline their number one demand on Donald Trump, and he obliged. It's hmm. all to make the Kochs money. This nation is drowning in oil. We have a, an oil surplus. We're exporting bringing this gunk in, but it's only so we they don't have to pay the premium to Venezuela, and that's why all this we're in danger. You match that with the the pigs in the the robotic pigs in the pipeline and the political pigs outside it at the trough, and you have a formula for disaster, which may be profitable to the Cokes, but not for us. Right, and you've got a, a new uh, little four-minute video about this uh, yep. that we will be putting up at TomHartman.com. We'll be putting on YouTube. We'll be attaching to the end of this. Uh, interview uh, when we yeah. post it on YouTube. Um, tell us about that. Well, what it is is I actually was able to get one of the whistleblowers, the guy who in, in charge of writing this uh, pig software. Again, if you just tuned in, it, uh, uh, the pig, the smart pig, is supposed to prevent explosions like the Keystone Pipeline crack and break. It should never happen. That's according to TransCanada the owner of the pipeline. In fact, even they said, oh, well, this shouldn't have happened because we, we run what they called actual pigs through the pipe. I think the PR guy had a wrong idea that there's porkers going through. Hmm. Um, no, there are no oil company executives or other pigs going through the pipeline. It's a robot. Right. The robot should never fail, but we were told by three whistleblowers that the software was not compliant with the law. In other words, the law has a minimum standard of sensitivity, which says, you know, if there's a break. And why don't they want, you know, you say, well, why do they want their pipelines to be in danger? Why do they want to ignore cracks that could, that could explode and kill or can destroy um, waterways? Why? The answer is moolah, money. Because every time that pig squeals, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in repairs. So if they have to dig up the pipes, 
and replace them and reroute them and stop the flow of the oil while they're, it, while they're doing the repairs. This is going to cost the pipeline industry, the big pipes like TransCanada and the Alaska pipeline, uh, billions of dollars a year more than they spend now. It's actually a lot cheaper to wait, instead of digging up hundreds of miles of pipe, wait till there's a break and say, oh, gee, we're sorry, we didn't know how that could happen. Fix that, and that's a lot cheaper. That really is a lot cheaper than um, um, actually fixing the pipes before the problem. I can tell you, I was an, before as an investigative reporter, I was an investigator, and I was the investigator on the pipeline explosion, the massive one that killed 18 people in Chicago, and I find records, these guys know in advance which pipes are going to go. And it's just cheaper for them to pay off the families, you know, a few million bucks per person that gets burnt up. I know it sounds cold and horrible, but this is exactly what happens. It's easier to, to um, say, oh, gee, we're sorry, and clean up the prairie, and God forbid it destroys that, uh, you know, you know Amazing. rock this Amazing. Greg, Greg we're, we're out of time. Greg Palace, gregpalace.com. You can read all about it. This is the Tom Hartman Program. GregPalace.com, and uh, you can tweet him at Greg underscore Palace. Thank you, Greg. You're the best, Tom. You too, Greg. Thanks. Welcome back. Let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by Nate. Welcome back. Uh, this report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and free, excuse me, and uh, loving what you do. Alan Ratner's new book on the line with us, Luke Vargas with Talk Media News. Hey, Luke, what's up? Glad to be with you. Say what? I, I, can, you, can you hear me? I do. Oh, terrific. Well, I, I guess we just have heard moments ago, and I wish I've been scanning the, the headlines for the past few hours waiting for this, that the U.S. has levied new sanctions on North Korea as of about... 1.45 Eastern time. So what can we sanction that we see. haven't already sanctioned? Oh, well, we, of course, have, uh, you know, countless sanctions against North Korea and hardly anything left to sanction at this point. I guess what we should be looking for here, and this is what Secretary of State Rex Tillerson hinted was going to come when he addressed the press yesterday, is that these are what we call secondary sanctions, you know, trying to make it really difficult for other countries and businesses in other countries to transact with North Korea. And I think all eyes will be on China. Uh, the administration took sort of gentle steps last month ahead of President Trump's visit to Asia to sanction one bank um, and, and prevent them from interacting with the U.S. economy because of transactions with North Korea. I will be curious to see, you know, coming days after uh, China really, it seemed, seemed to insult the U.S. by suggesting, uh, or at least insult the president by saying that they still believe the freeze for freeze is the best way to approach North Korea, that the administration maybe will dial up the pressure on Beijing here. But again, I haven't had a chance to see exactly what's just been announced moments ago. Yeah. Luke, uh, yesterday I had a caller who brought up a, 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 a rather frightening uh, possibility. George W. Bush invaded Iraq using the pretext that Saddam Hussein was engaged in the support of international terrorism and himself was a supporter of terrorism. Um, you know, we put Iraq on that list and then he invaded them six months before the U.N. said it's OK to do. I mean, it was an illegal invasion, according to the United Nations at the time. Um, but but that designation of Iraq as a terrorist state gave him the power under the authorization to use military force from 
to go after that country in a way that he would not have had the power without uh, a, a separate congressional mandate of some sort, since Congress has the sole power to declare war. And this caller was asking the question, and I'm asking this question now of you, is it possible that the reason that the Trump administration has designated North Korea as a state sponsor of terrorism on this very, very thin thread that it's because, you know, Kim murdered his brother, you know, hired some people to murder his brother in a Malaysian airport, which I don't think anybody would say is that that's the definition of terrorism. Um, is it possible that the reason the Trump administration is doing this is because under the AUMF from 9-11, this now gives Donald Trump the power to unilaterally declare war or functionally war, you know, he'd be called a police action or a, a response to terrorism against North Korea. I don't think I can rule that out, though I will reiterate uh, that uh, although the AUMF has been stretched beyond recognition, Oh, we're using it in Yemen. We are starting to come to a period where the U.S. Congress seems to be pushing back. I mean, there was a non-binding vote. I think it was uh, a week ago yesterday um, in the Congress that condemned uh, the, you know, essential uh, war in, in Yemen as being an overreach of the AUMF and saying that that did not apply to fighting, you know, with the Saudis against the Iranians. And I think that uh, is an accurate interpretation of the limits of the AUMF. And we haven't even seen um, the administration pretend to argue that uh, North Korea is supporting any of the al-Qaeda-linked terror groups that the AUMF is supposed to be going after. So I guess I would, um, the, the lack of even an attempt on the part of the Trump administration to really pull up a long list of instances or a list of any instances of North Korea supporting external terror groups that we were going after over the past decade I, I maybe gives me some some hope uh, that they're not. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know how they can uh, hold know, this designation. The possibility that your caller suggested. Yeah, I don't. I don't see how they can hold this designation of state sponsor of terror without giving some examples. And if the examples they end up giving are things like, oh yeah, you know, he sent a hundred bucks to Al Qaeda you know, ten years ago or something. I I, I don't know. I just it, it it concerns me. Meanwhile, oh, the designation you know made sense in the, in the 90s. I mean, we had it was it 87 when they blew up the South Korean passenger airplane and killed over 100 people. I mean, those are clearly uh, that's a, a terrorist attack and, right. and and you know making incursions into. South Korean territory to... But that was different leadership, uh, arguably. I mean, you know, it's the same family, but it was a different... But but in any case, uh, I'd like to move along to uh, Germany. Angela Merkel uh, is facing new elections, and there's, uh, there's a great story about this in today's Financial Times about how, you know, maybe her goose is cooked. She can't pull a, a coalition together. Um, she, they also point out that she is the strongest, most powerful, most authoritative, and most consistent voice in Europe for a for Europe embracing liberal democracy, you know the, the classic Enlightenment definitions of small d democracy across uh, the European Union. Uh, at the same time that you've got these growing voices in Hungary, in Turkey, in uh, Greece, in Spain, uh, uh, you know, for for absolute screaming in Poland, sixty thousand people two weeks ago in the streets with uh, with swastikas, for for you know, uh, calling for the end of democracy essentially for right wing authoritarian. Uh, government. What the hell is happening, Luke? Well, two things are happening. One, Angela Merkel's political future does look to be in doubt. The Jamaica coalition uh, named for the black, green, and yellow party colors that it would have encapsulated appears to be um, impossible uh, for her to, to assemble at this point. Um, and it Why? looks as if uh, a new election might be necessary here. And, and if that were to happen, 
it's quite likely parties to uh, the, the far right in Germany would outperform. I mean, their message has been that the establishment can't get anything done. Failing to put together a coalition government after four months is, is sort of a textbook. But isn't, isn't most of this, Luke, backlash against uh, Muslim immigrants, mostly from Syria? You're, you're right. Um, but there's also just a, a sort of, in, in a way that the United States uh, folks in the U.S. might be familiar with the Tea Party, something similar going on. What I will say, though, minority rule in Germany is possible. It's a country with a constitution that really preserves political stability. But as you rightly point out, the concern is in, in the European Union now, that Macron yeah. is not strong enough to carry European Union ballots. Oh, Macron is not even close. Uh, yeah. Luke Vargas with Talk Media News. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. Good talking with you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. And welcome back. Marcy in Arlington, Texas. Hey, Marcy. Thanks for watching Free Speech yes. TV. What's up? Hi, Tom. Uh, I'd like to discuss the uh, non-disclosure agreement that women are actually more or less forced to sign. I mean, isn't that a continuation of the harassment by people of power and people with money against these women for uh, keeping silence. It is, I mean, it, it, it is the use of the law by wealthy and powerful people to silence people who don't have that kind of wealth and power. And typically the wealthy and powerful people are men and the, and the, and the people who don't have access to either are women. And I'm thinking that what we should consider a national conversation about is passing legislation that outlaws non-disclosure agreements for anything Ab that may be considered criminal. Absolutely. Which Absolutely. would include sexual violence. And the other thing is the government agencies themselves that protect uh, sexual harassment in their policies. Yeah. I mean, a friend of mine worked for a city government and complained about an official, and it was months and months and months of delay, delay, delay against a man who already had several complaints against him for harassment. Right. And that's just so something else that is so very wrong with our society. Yeah, completely. Protection of... of uh, government employees. Yeah, completely agree. Marcy, well said. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, Brian in Alpharetta, Georgia. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind? Yeah, uh, in reference to uh, Trump, mm -hmm. do you have uh, any uh, anyone that's come forward on, on assault from Trump? Yeah, Donald Trump. He bragged about it on television. He bragged about it on Ron Howard Stern, for that matter. He talked about how cool it was that he owned these beauty pageants where he could walk in and watch teenagers naked, you know, and, uh, or women, let's say, naked, uh, whenever he wanted, because he owned the show. That was in 2006. What's your definition of assault? Well, I think, uh, you know, if you walked into a women's room in an airport, you would be charged with assault just for being there or some variation on assault. That, you know, there's just, it, Brian, are, are, are you trying to say that you don't believe that Donald Trump has assaulted? Hey, his wife, his first wife, Ivana, 
she she wrote that after she talked him into getting a hair treatment, you know, and presumably it was plugs um, because he was going bald and it didn't work out well, which is why his hair is so weird. And she wrote that after it didn't work out well, he was so angry that he beat her up and raped her. And, you know, she has now walked it back and said, I shouldn't have used the, the word rape, but she said he, he forced sex on her and she felt, and it, it hurt her and she felt violated. That, you know, that's his own wife. But, you know, are you saying you don't believe all these other women have come forward? Uh, would you consider his case a, a different level or on the same level as, a, as Rose? As Charlie Rose? Charlie Rose. Would it be, would it be the same level? It sounds to me like, uh, from, uh, I, and I encourage you, Brian, if you're genuinely curious about this, just go over to Wikipedia. There's a whole wiki page for uh, Donald Trump's sexual misconduct allegations. Um, that, that what Charlie Rose was doing, yeah, I think that there's a difference. I, there's, there's definitely a qualitative difference between aggressively, physically, I mean, it, it, most of these women are, are asserting that Trump, you know, he was sitting next to, there was one woman who said that she sat down next to him and he ran his hand up her skirt and started uh, touching her through her underwear. Um, Charlie Rose was not doing that. Charlie Rose was basically saying, look at me, I'm naked. Don't you want to have sex with me? And the women were saying no and leaving. Um, and nobody's, to the best of my knowledge, nobody's alleging that Charlie Rose, uh, you know, physically forced himself on them beyond that. Now, granted, both those things are terrible. Both those things are criminal. Both those things are morally wrong. But I think that our conversation, and, and I'm watching it happen right now, our conversation is moving from uh, just dumping everything into the same basket to starting to have some nuance, nuance about this. And I think that that's a good thing. As I said, we are all opposed to stealing, but we treat shoplifters quite differently from bank robbers. And there's a reason for that. You know, it's, we, we, tr we treat uh, you know, more passive uh, burglars different from stick-up artists. Um, you know, there, there's a reason for that. And I think that w when it comes to these kinds of crimes, we, we also need to start uh, parsing this stuff out. Brian, thanks for the call. Richard in Seattle. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind? Well, what's on my mind is hypocrisy is maybe the bottom line. Mm -hmm. There's morality and amorality. You talk about ISIS and we, we're wiping them out and we're going to win, yet Christianity favors their martyrs. The issue of the sexual stuff is corptocracy promotes sex cells. It's universal. Right. Ever since yeah, they figured that out back in the 30s. The consequences. And when it comes to racial and, and, and the, uh, those types of issues, we never look at how, how the, the values are promulgated. It's we can pass a law, throw them in jail, slap somebody down. But the value remains that until we find a way to promulgate common values and get people to understand better that getting along is better than fighting, it's all pointless except that the corporatocracy makes a hell of a lot of money promoting all sides of it yeah. and weapons to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, don't, don't disagree, Richard. Very well said. Thank you. Michael in Bronx, New York. Hey, Michael, what's up? Michael? No, Michael. Let's try Brian in Colville, Washington. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind today? Um, hey, Brian. Just uh, calling in in regards to your guys' uh, uh, the sexual uh, issues. Mm -hmm. 
Tom, my 26-year-old daughter is uh, married to a military man, travels the country. The government keeps them moving. Recently in Mississippi, working at the biggest hardware chain in the nation, and uh, the town was, uh, I think it might have been the capital of Mississippi. Uh, where's the courthouse where the freedom marchers were arrested? What town I, was that? I, I don't recall, Brian. I'm sorry. I wasn't there. Anyways, she was in that uh, town and working at the big box store, the only white employee in the whole store. Everybody else, darker skin color. But, the, you know, the respect the women co-workers and the way they looked out for my daughter made me want to get on the next flight and go down and thank him in person in mm. the way that uh, Keith made a statement to me one time that to be in there working the aisles and have a customer come down and stop and size her up head to toe was the creepiest feeling that, uh, you know, she said she had experienced to that point in her lifetime. Yeah. And uh, just imagine how many people are subject to that. Oh, on a, on a daily basis. Discussion. On a daily basis. And, this, and, and the, the most powerless... The least powerful among us, the hotel workers, the maids, for example, uh, you know, uh, waitresses working in restaurants, uh, are constantly subject to sexual harassment and sexual abuse, and, and some of it quite violent, and it almost never gets dealt with. Brian, thank you for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Back with more of the news of the day and your calls right after this. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X-Chair want you to feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X, chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X-Chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com. And be sure to use THOM in, as the promo code for your $100 discount. And welcome back. Let's see here. Denise in Calumet, Michigan. Hey, Denise, what's on your mind today? Well, Tom, I got to tell you, there's something going on with the driver's licenses. And when I got my, uh, my husband and I got our renewal notices, there's a little flyer in it. And it says it's time to get your federal ID. Right. Most people are ignoring it. This is in Michigan. And when I went down, I had to have proof of my change of name for my marriage license and my birth certificate to get my, to get my driver's license. Wow. So I called the Secretary of State in Lansing, and I said, you know, what is this about? And she said that it's not, you're not going to be able to enter any federal buildings without this little yellow star on your driver's license. Or get on an airplane. Or right. Any, or get on an airplane. Or vote. And she said, 
in the that's future. The, the most important part is you won't be able to vote, and that's really right. what this is all about. Right, and everybody's kind of ignoring it and, and telling me that's not you know true. And she said, I said, well, I live in a rural area. What federal buildings might I be involved in? She said, the post office. So then I said, don't you think this is being against women? Because what about all the widows out there who are elderly but still vote, and they're not going to have their, their marriage licenses from years ago. They're going to have to go to the courthouse and get those, and they're not going to know about it. And she said, well, men get adopted. That was her only excuse. Yeah. And really what it is is they don't want, the Republicans do not want elderly people voting. They, you know, elderly people consistently vote for Medicare and Social Security. And the Republican Party wants Medicare to be administered by the big health insurance companies who, who pay the bills for the Republican Party. And they want the Social Security program to be administered by the big banks on Wall Street who pay the bills for the Republican Party. And, and so they don't want elderly people voting. It's real simple. I mean, I, I think it's insane that you can't vote with an, with a, with an expired driver's license. What the hell does it matter that it expired after three years if you're 80 years old and you no longer drive? And, but you know, Go ahead. Tom, I hope this backfires on them because I live in a very Republican area, and I hope they all ignore it and just go get their driver's license. Yeah. Well, the then, then you're going to, Denise, you're going to see selective enforcement. What you're going to see is that in, in, the, in the white upper middle class neighborhoods of Michigan, you're going to have you know, election workers saying, oh, yeah, Ralph, I know you. Go ahead and vote. Uh, oh, yeah, whereas, right. whereas in Detroit, they're, you know, they're going to be clamping down like crazy. You know, show me your ID. What? There's no gold star on there. You can't vote. It's I just, know. you know, it's, right. it's an old song. But uh, anyhow, I, I got to run. Just, uh, yeah, thank you very much for the call, Denise. Uh, that's terrible news. Judy in Pine, Colorado. Hey, Judy, what's up? Hi, let me take you out, speaker. Thank you, Judy. Um, I had heard back, I think it was 2016, that... Um, the NDAA included a section in the cybersecurity section of the NDAA that $60 million was being set aside for uh, the corporate news media, Google, Facebook, Twitter, a couple other groups, to be able to, deter to determine what was propaganda. And currently, from what I've been hearing, is Democracy Now!, ACLU, uh, individuals saying anything that, that sounds progressive are being cut out, shut down on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, ACLU, Democracy Now! are finding, it, finding less people coming to their websites wow. because people yeah. are having a harder time when they... Judy, I gotta run. I'm sorry. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. If you call in when you hear the music, it means that you're going to get cut off. And so am I, by the way. <laughs> it's just that's how it works. Manish in Chatsworth, California. Hey, Manish. Thanks for listening to SiriusXM. What's on your mind today? Hi, could you hear me? Just fine. Hi. Can you hear so, me? Hey, taking you off the speaker, could you hear me? Thank you, Manish. You can hear me fine? Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So, net neutrality. Oh, so where do we start on this? So, basically, Ajit Pai is running a total scam on this thing. They put up the, the comment section on the website. There was a deadline on the website. Please provide your comments. Right? 
they when they were flooded with the comments that that net neutrality should should stay and and you know you let the government regulate the way they it should be distributed and everything when they were flooded with the comments they 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 start saying oh the comment section was hacked by somebody and some hacker hacked it us and and now the comment section was blocked and mm. this theory was basically busted in open that no it was not hacked by you you and they also sent the bots the russian bots and everything to send the the positive comments about revealing the net neutrality yeah you're right amanish in fact for for people who are not familiar with what you're talking about uh, the fcc said okay we're going to destroy net neutrality what do you think about it and about yeah. 2 million actual human beings responded and overwhelmingly like well over 95% of them said don't destroy net neutrality uh, 20 million people came onto the site i think it was 22 million total correct me if i'm wrong um, 20 million came on and said oh we don't need no stinking net neutrality government shouldn't run the damn internet etc cetera, etc cetera. and it turns out they were all robots they were bots and or yeah. the vast majority of them and so when they cleaned up the and bots they were busted. They, say what they were busted. Yeah, they, they got busted bots. for this. They, yeah. They figured out. Yeah, absolutely. But but Pi is citing those bots, which were probably paid for by the big telecom giants, as the as his uh, as his public support for destroying net neutrality. Yep, Tom. I have a very important point to add here. Go for it. So me and some of my so so basically to the people who are listening, to you the biggest fight of net neutrality is basically being fought on Reddit right now. Please go to the Reddit, check the threads for the net neutrality, that what you can do to stop the Ajit Pai. Now, the, the, the media is not going to cover, even the progressive media, they're not going to cover this. They are owned by the Comcast. NBC is owned by the Comcast. Right. So even writing your Republican candidate is not going to be enough. Some of the folks who written to their representatives, they're getting the party line answer that, hey, we are for the profit. We cannot stop this and this. This is going to be... This is going to be beneficial for us. It's not going to help us. Do write them, but if it doesn't work out, people need to people need to come out and do the march. Just like we did it for the Medicaid, we were stopping the, the Obamacare repeal. We need to do that kind of thing in order to stop this. Yeah. There is no way next month onwards. We are totally agree. To totally apart. agree. Manish, I, I've got to move along, but I, I, I spot on. And and yes, Reddit is sort of the epicenter right now for the net neutrality activity. Although it's happening, there's a lot of great sites. Uh, you know, public, uh, uh, publiccitizen.org, uh, Fight for the Net. Uh, you know, I read some of them earlier. I'm sorry, I don't have. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Verizonprotests.com, uh, Demand Progress, Fight for the Future, Free Press Action Fund. All of them you can find online, and there's a lot of great information. Manish, thank you for the call. Wayne in Chicago. Hey, Wayne, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Uh, I just want to make a brief comment about the net neutrality thing. Sure. Um, uh, Pi, Mr. Pi was referred to President Obama by Mitch McConnell. So you can ask yourself a question. Why did um, Mr. Obama take Mitch McConnell's recommendation? He took it because TPP was all for what's getting ready to go down right now with the net neutrality. And plus, when uh, right before Obama left office, he was saying, well, the Internet needs an overseer. So what's, what's really going on is um, people are waking up because of the explosion of information. They don't have to depend on the mainstream media anymore. In other words, they feel like people are becoming too smart, so we got to dumb them down some more. Yeah. Yeah. By, by putting controls on what they can see and, and hear and go to on websites. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I, 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 you know, Wayne, it's, it's kind of the, the most twisted conspiratorial vision to assert that that's what's going on, and yet I can't come up with another explanation. And so, you know, I, I agree with your analysis, and, 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 and this is entirely being driven by money coming from multi-billion dollar corporations who can afford to buy lobbyists and shills and front men and women and, and mind-boggling amounts of advertising on the internet that they already to a large extent control as well as everywhere else. And it, it ain't a good thing. It's absolutely not a good thing. Wayne, thank you. Very, very well said. John in Hewitt, Minnesota. Hey, John, you wanted to talk about the disability cuts. I, this was one of the stories I was going to talk about today. It's in today's Washington Post by Terrence McCoy, 397 days and still waiting. Is that what you're calling about? John? Yes. Yeah, go for it. Yes. Uh, I'm on disability, and um, I heard that Trump wants to cut my disability by 60%. And um, I'm just wondering if, uh, if uh, it, my uh, um, I got, I got renal failure and, um, and, uh, I will just have, if he cuts it by 60%, I, I will, I'll be homeless. Oh my. Yeah. You're suffering from kidney failure. This is, this is not just a problem for people who are currently on disability, John. It's also a problem for people who are trying to get on disability. Um, the, the wait times now are mind-boggling. The, uh, the wait time to get on disability in Miami is 759 days. Tens of thousands of people have died waiting to get on the disability list. And the reason why is because the Republicans have been cutting the Social Security Administration budget steadily year after year in their annual budgets ever since 2010. And Social Security's had to lay off a bunch of people who are processing disability claims. The result of that is that hundreds of thousands of people are waiting years to get their disabilities, uh, their disability payments. So yeah, a lot going on with the Trump administration and Social Security disability insurance, John. And we all need to get real politically active around it. Thanks so much for being with us today. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Get out there, get active. Run for political office. Tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Thank you.